Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. So when you are listening to this podcast, <laughs> Derek is sitting in front of his TV, Relaxing. doing nothing, being lazy, and I am in the Great White North, paddling up the Moose River towards Moosonee. The Great White North. Take off, eh? You hoser. <laughs> I will be, because this is Thursday, so Thursday I will be, oh yeah, just south of Moosonee at this point. As you're going to be in, you'll we'll be, be there. We'll be there tomorrow. As they tomorrow. listen to this. As you listen to as this. As this yeah. is released. Yes. So Thursday, what's the date on Thursday? What's your calendar say? October something. Do, 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 do make me whip out my calendar here. Go to the October bits. October 4th. October 4th. So this is published on October 4th. October 4th. I'll be just south of Moosonee. October 5th, we make it to Tidewater, Provincial Park, Moosonee. Cool. Moose Factory, all that. And then we're there for a couple days. And then the 8th, we take... uh, the train back to Cochrane. Yeah. And then drive home or home on the 9th. Cool. Dun, dun, dun. The day before my birthday. Ah. Yes. For all and, those people that want to send me copious amounts of birthday presents. Yes. And what <laughs> birthday is it? The big 5 The big 5 Yeah. Talk about uh, going out with a, the first half a century with a big splash canoe trip, <laughs> eh? Didn't really plan for that until no. all of a sudden started to come together. And then, hey, yeah, look at that. Yeah, so both of us turned 50 this year. Yeah. Me and June. Yeah, you're old already. I am older than you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I still look like I'm in my 20s, though. And you act like you're eight. <laughs> so it, it all asked, evens out. my wife, it's yeah. true. So it all evens <laughs> out. You're 36. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, pick an average. <laughs> That's the average, you know. Uh, okay, so what do we got on tap this week? We have a double-barreled book club. Two books this week. One is a cookbook, mm-hmm. and the other is a book that I was just handed to take on my trip. That's awesome. So I haven't actually read it yet, but I know what it's about. So we've been talking a lot of food, jerky, and dehydrating, and all that sort of stuff late, uh, lately. Yeah, previous shows. Getting ready for our trips, Des Moines, your Des Moines River mm-hmm. trip, my Moose River trip. And a few people have asked, you know, that I'd mentioned a book that I, I get, uh, that I've used. And we've mentioned this book, I believe we've mentioned it early on, like from the first 10 episodes we might have mentioned. Yeah, it. we've probably mentioned, mentioned it a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, a Fork in the Trail by Lorianne March. Now, I lo- knew Lorianne March... Ages ago. Yeah. Uh, before when we were, before we were in, um. ABR. The uh, Algonquin Backcountry Recreationalists. Uh, yeah, way back then. Yeah. So she wrote, she was huge into the backpacking and the canoe tripping and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And she likes to cook and everything. So she started putting together recipes and whatnot and, uh, put them into cookbook form for backpackers and backcountryists. Backcountryists? <laughs> I just invented a new word. <laughs> it works. Backcountryists. <laughs> Backcountry travelers <laughs> and canoeists. Backcountryists. That works. Uh, she put all this stuff together in a book and put it out there, a fork in the trail. Yeah. Um, there was a couple things. There's a, you know, so yeah. So to Sean, happy camping. Lori, 2008. Autographed. She didn't sign mine. Didn't she? Because she doesn't like you. I bought mine online. No. Oh. I think she has online buy uh, autograph. Maybe you're just cheap. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I didn't so, spend the extra 200 bucks on a book like you did. No. Yeah. It was only 199 <laughs> So I picked up this book and started doing some of the recipes from it. There's a lot of tips and stuff like that for dehydrating and making um, meals for the backcountry. This book contains breakfast, lunches, dinner, snacks, all that sort of stuff. It talks about menu planning. Okay. So she does give like, if you're going on a three-day trip, here's a sample menu. Oh, If you're going on a six-day yeah. trip, 
here's a sample menu. Well, that's awesome. So that you can sort of, you know, because, yeah, I mean, you can just start going. See, I have the book, but I've never read it. Really? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> You've got, like, bookmarks and flags sticky notes, and flag, sticky yeah. notes and... Corners yeah. and food. Look, you smell the book? Yeah. There's well. probably food in it. Because <laughs> it's, it's used. <laughs> Special diets for picky eaters. Planning solo trips. Planning for larger groups. Mailing food. Recipe Mailing resizing. food? Yeah, so if you're doing a big trip, like a, if you're doing oh, the Venus Link. Oh, yeah, right? so you can mail off your, your caches. Right. Um, she talks about if you have your own recipes... At yeah. home that you think, you know what, this would be cool to eat in the backcountry. Yeah. She talks about how you can adapt a recipe mm-hmm. from home. Oh, yeah, yeah, To yeah, backcountry yeah, yeah. with the dehydrating and, and different stuff and substitutions and yeah. stuff like that, right? Uh, how to create your own recipes, that sort of stuff. Breakfasts. She talks granolas, cereal bars, pancakes, egg dishes, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. Lunches are salads, dips, wraps, that's and some soups and stuff. Snacks are energy bars, jerky, fruit leather, and different types of gorps. These are just some of the things that she says in here, but there's a lot more than, than what I'm saying yes. here. Yes, yes. Dinners, Hungarian goulash, which I've just made for my trip. Uh, chicken pot pie with biscuits. Curried chicken with raisins and currants. Chili, which I've made. She has a chili con carne in here. In this book, which I've made and was good. Pasta sauces, a bunch of different pasta sauces. And harvest pork apple stew, which I've made a few yep. times. I've actually made it again to, to take north. Desserts and baked goods include cookies, cakes, breads, pies. Blackberry peach cobbler. Oh. Black forest brownies. Mm-hmm. Blackberry peach cobbler. That sounds yummy. Blackberry peach cobbler. Uh, this isn't stuff that you think you're going to be eating on a oh, no, camping trip, right? No. And and she's she, I I I reviewed a couple of the uh, the recipes. I haven't made anything from it yet, but uh, like it, she makes it very, she lays it out very easily about what to do, how to do yep. it, how to mix in, how to store the different ingredients for the trip, and it's uh it's really good. And and if I could get off my butt, I should make some meals from it. Well, for this Hungarian goulash, which I've made a couple of times, for instance, uh, dehydration time, seven to 10 hours. Of course, that depends on your dehydrator. Yes. Makes three to four servings. And she gives a little spiel about how she discovered it. Uh, Then it goes, of course, all the ingredients are listed to the side. And then she goes, at home, this is how you make it at home. This is what you got to do to dehydrate it. This is how you should package Mm -hmm. it. This is how you measure it so that, you know... Like before you dehydrate it so that then you measure it when it's dehydrated. Yep. And so you know how much water add when you're at camp sort of yeah. thing. Then she's got the at camp section. So add enough boiling water to rehydrate and that sort of stuff. Uh, equal to the measurement on your sticky note. Because that's what you do when you, you put it on a sticky note. Yeah. How much the non-dehydrated amount was. Mm-hmm. And then you just put that in with your food and bring it with, right? And do, 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 do. then some of them even have tips at the bottom. Do not use Spanish paprika. It does not have the same depth of flavor as Hungarian paprika. Oh, I didn't know that. Which you can get. It, I mean, oh, it's got to be a specialty. You can find it. It's easy. I think I got mine at Sobeys. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And it's also... I know it is paprika. Paprika? What did I say? Paprika. It's not. It's not that. You said there's a, a Spanish paprika and there's... Oh, you just noticed like... It's just paprika. <laughs> it's generic. Yes, yes. Oh, you get... You're one of those. It's <laughs> <laughs> a generic. You can leave now. I'll still be accepting applications for a replacement for well, Derek. It's, but it's interesting to know that like depending on where it's grown, it's it has yeah. different qualities. Honestly, right? until I did this recipe for the first time, I had no idea there was different yeah. types. As I, was, I even turned... Uh, what kind of paprika do we have? <laughs> and Trace is like, red? <laughs> exactly. That's, that would have been my yeah. response. Yeah. See? You learn something. Yes. You learn something. <laughs> We're an educational show. We've always said that. So tell me about the two different kinds she, she talks about that again. There's the Spanish paprika okay. and the Hungarian. And she Use said a Hungarian. It's it's better? Has the better uh, depth of flavor. Okay. Well, there you go. Deeper depth of flavor. Yeah. Yeah, that works. 
And this recipe is also nice served over potatoes. Mm. Now, I get the egg noodles. She says the broad egg noodles. Yeah. So you boil those up and put it over that. That's what I always eat. Okay. Um, so it's like a funky uh, spaghetti, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Uh, she puts it over potatoes if you want or vegetables, that sort of stuff. And yeah, you know what? It's really, really good. But she lays it all out that way, everything. Yeah. Is, yeah, here's your ingredients. Here's what you do at home. Here's what you do at camp. You know, any little tips, that sort of thing, or substitutions. And um, chili includes four types of beans. Try adding the tablespoon of cocoa powder to enhance the flavors to her bean and mushroom chili. Yeah. Cocoa powder into. Cocoa powder? Yeah. And like I say, these are little. She adds these little tips and stuff hmm. like that, which makes it pretty. Uh, Pretty cool. But these are foods that you're not thinking you're going to be eating on a trip. No, these are... You know, these are beyond your little bacon and beans and... They're light, compact for storage, but then it's like a luxury meal once you get it going. Yeah. And then when you get into the the desserts and stuff like that, cinnamon buns and all the different... You can do little pies and stuff like that. And um, crepes. She gets into the crepes. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Wow. So it's it's pretty... uh, Some pretty good stuff there. It's tasty, that's for sure. Yeah. And, yeah, Black Forest brownies. See, I'm not a big chocolate fan. Really? Yeah. Well, see, depending on on chocolate and time of day, it gives me heartburn. No, no, I could live on chocolate and chocolate alone. I'm sure (laughs) of it. (laughs) Oh, there's also a section on beverages, Mm -hmm. foods for children, and dog treats. (laughs) But, of course. Yeah. Well, because you're a canoe dog, right? Yeah. She also has... She has recipes for dog food? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Right in the back. There's a massive table of contents. Oh, more elaborate dishes too. For the canine companion. There's a chapter on a canine companion. Page 275. What has she got here? (laughs) Go to... Welcome to Book Corner. We've got a page 275. What do we got? For the canine companion. Well, there you go. Uh, carrot dog cookies. Peanut butter dog cookies. We've made peanut butter dog cookies for our dog. Yeah? Yep. Chicken dog cookies. Huh. And I don't think they're just cookies in the shape of chickens. <laughs> they have chicken in them. Unbleached flour, non-fat powdered milk, wheat flour, wheat germ. I'd laugh and say, get a cookie cutter in the shape of chicken. <laughs> uh, chicken stock, honey, vegetable oil, Chicken baby food, an yep. egg, dried parsley, wheat germ. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And then uh, camp food for children. Peanut butter and banana. Ch- this is just what I talked about <laughs> last episode. Yeah, the peanut butter and banana chip wraps. Remember I was telling you that? Yep. About in the tinfoil? Yep. Banana boats, apple crisp sandwich cookies, winter maple candy. If you're spring camping, I guess, in the winter. Snow. Yep. And maple syrup. Huh. So she also has a second book called Another Fork in the Trail, which yes. has more of the same goodness. Great recipes, good I, food. I'm thinking this is the one I have a fork in the trail. A fork in the I don't trail. think I got another fork in the trail. You know what? I don't know that I've got another fork in the trail either. Hmm. I know I've got to, because I use everything out of this one, right? It's good stuff. <laughs> so if you want to find out more about Lorianne March and A Fork in the Trail and Another Fork in the Trail. You can check out aforkinthetrail.com and it shows all her books and stuff like that. Or you can just Google A Fork in the Trail cookbook and it'll show you where you can buy it, chapters, Amazon, outdoor stores. We were in the Rockies, the Canadian Rockies there. Yep. Jasper, we, we went up to, uh, up the tram there, yep. the gondola in Jasper. There's a little gift store up there. Oh, okay. And one of her, a copy of her book was for sale in the gift store. Wow. It's everywhere. Huh. Algonquin Park, like in the yeah. book's visitor center. Yeah. They're there. You can find them everywhere. Huh. But uh, yeah, aforkinthetrail.com or just Google a fork in the trail and um, you'll you'll find her book and you can find it. It's definitely, there's some really good, good food in here. Oh, and my uh, roasted, that roasted garlic powder I do. Mm-hmm. She tells you how to make it in here. Oh, yeah? Yep. Yep. We've got to get her on the show. I think We've got we to do. do that. 
haul her off that boat of hers and yes, I know. Bring her on the show. So that is book one <laughs> of book club this week. That's one I've used. So yeah, for anybody that's been listening to me talk about dehydrating food and stuff like that lately, that's the book where I, I my first outdoor dehydration yep. cooking cookbook for canoe trips and stuff like that. Check it out. It's worth a, it's worth a read. That's mm-hmm. for sure. So the second book on book club, Derek's book club that Derek never does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, hey. <laughs> this book is actually with me up north as you listen to this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Tracy gives this gave this to me and said, here, I ha- got this for you. I was going to give it to you. but uh, Read this on the trip. You can read this on the trip. It's called A History of Canada in 10 Maps by Adam Schultz. And I, I kind of pre-reviewed it. I didn't read it, obviously, because I don't read anything. But uh, I, I went through. Yeah, I looked picture. at. I looked at the pictures. I saw the pictures. But I, I read it a little bit of the first chapter and some of the descriptions. It's. Uh, it's basically a, a photo history of uh, or a map history of Canada. Yeah. So basically, he takes ten maps and tells how they shaped what is what was to become Canada. Yeah. That's basically, what they say. Uh, let's just read the back here. Every map tells a story and every map has a purpose. It invites us to go somewhere we've never been. A history of Canada in 10 maps conjures, conjures the world as it appeared to those who were called upon to map it. Adam Schultz, one of Canada's foremost explorers, tells the stories behind these centuries old maps and how they came to shape what became Canada. It brings to life the characters and the bloody disputes that forged our history by showing us what the world looked like before it entered the history books. Combining storytelling, cartography, geography, archaeology, and of course history, this book shows us the country in a way we've never seen it before. It sounds interesting. I'll have you to borrow that when you're uh, done with it. <laughs> have to borrow it and not read it? Well, no. I, I, I do read some stuff. Right now the I'm comics reading... comics and the funnies don't count. Right now I'm reading zombie books. Oh, on the, sorry, I don't want to go off topic, but I was reading on the Des Moines trip. And when you're in, so we found wolf poop. We found moose poop. I was, so I was worried about wolves. I was worried about bears. I was worried about my tent being trampled by a moose. And, uh, that's not the correct environment to read a zombie book. (laughs) Zombie, moose, and wolves, and bears. Well, no, I I, I was reading my book. I, I and uh, I was reading. It's a zombie book, and uh, <laughs> I had some of the weirdest, scary little dreams. It's like, okay, I guess I'm not going to read this anymore on this trip. <laughs> I kept waking up in the middle of the night thinking that it's a z- zombies, zombies are- or bears or wolves. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a bear? No, that can't be a bear. Can't be a moose. Can't be a wolf. I bet you that's a zombie well, outside my tent. Well, there was one of the one of the one of the campsites was really small, so I had to go down a trail. I was about 100, 150 meters out of camp because there was no room for me. So <laughs> I was, and I pitched the tent right there on that trail. So the whole night I'm thinking some animal's gonna come rumbling down this trail and walk right over top of me. <laughs> If it was a moose, it would have been a zombie moose. <laughs> so yeah, so it, it, zombie. When I read, when you read books on on sketchy trips, uh, now read zombie books. Are they zombie books or are they graphic novels? It wasn't a graphic novel. You mean there's actually words? It was words. It's not all pictures. No, no pictures at the all. The pictures do not outnumber the words. There's not a single picture. Really? Yeah. I call BS on that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so he's taken ten. Oh, wait. oh, it's a it's a Kindle book. It's on oh, my phone. Oh, it's not a real book. It's a Kindle book. <laughs> I think man actually made a paper. No, no paper. I didn't bring paper. Okay, I was going ultralight. I didn't even bring clothes. I froze my ass off. <laughs> yeah, speedo in a flip flops. <laughs> So these maps that he's talking about, Adam Schultz is talking about. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings. And the, the maps are Skull in the book. map. Now they're saying that one's lost, right? No. I guess so the official. The original one is lost, yeah. but they, uh, they found a 1690 version of it in some foreign library somewhere. It says right underneath the picture. Does it? It's the very first picture. 
if you could turn the page. They're sticking together there. There we go. Do, do, do. Skullholt map made in uh, 1590 by the Icelandic scholar Sigil. Oh, Stephenson. Survives in a 19, uh, 1690 copy preserved in Denmark's Royal Library. I even got the, the oldest map right. that can incorporates knowledge of the Vikings' Vinland voyages. Mm-hmm. Huh. Wow. I know. See, that was just like a five-minute little... I kind of reviewed the book and... Ireland, Britannia. I got the, you even got the date right. Iceland. What are these three... There's three islands. Th- yeah, up by Iceland, Are those you mean? the Faro- Faroe Islands? It must be the Faroe Islands, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Greenland. it's not the original, but it's it's a duplicate copy, a 1500s copy that's in a 1690 book in Denmark. But wow. yeah, it's fascinating, eh? Yeah. So they use, that's the first one he talks about. And then they talk about the birth of Canada. Then there's Champlain's map of New France, rise and fall of the French Empire, Peter Pond's map of the Northwest, Samuel Hearn's map of the Copper Mine River, uh, Alex McKenzie, Alexander McKenzie's quest, David Thompson's demons, Canada's bloodiest battlefield, the siege of Fort Erie, Canada's heart of darkness, mapping the Ontario, or Ontario, the Arctic frontier. So there's some pretty cool, yeah, some pretty cool looking maps though. I mean, these are old maps, eh? Uh, so th- I'm looking forward to reading this one and it's, it should be, uh, pretty good. So he's taken this. From the point of view, from the sounds, if I'm reading everything right, the point of view of people that actually made the maps and what they're seeing. Yes. Right? The discovery and the mapping and the voyage of discovery, I guess you could say, of Mm -hmm. Canada and its environs. Now, I don't know how much you know about Adam Schultz, but he's considered a professional adventurer. I know a Schultz guy, but he draws the Peanuts cartoons. No, that's Schultz. Yeah. Yeah, Charles. Yeah, Charles Schultz. He's dead. <laughs> no, this is this is Schultz. 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 Adam Schultz. Oh. S-H-O-A-L-T-S. Oh. Yeah, I'm holding the book right there. There you go. Here. I can Schultz. see it now. I can see it now. A regular guest on television and radio has been featured in the media around the world, including BBC, CNN, CTV, CBC, and The Guardian. thought he was dead. Nope. In oh, that's 2000, Schultz. That's Schultz. That's the Peanuts guy. This is the Explorer guy. <laughs> in 2016, Schultz was named a national champion of the Trans-Canada Trail. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. His exploring career has included mapping rivers, leading expeditions sponsored by the Royal Canadian Geographical Society and Mountain Equipment Co-op, oh. numerous archaeological digs, photographing elusive and rare wildlife, and completing a nearly 4,000-kilometer solo journey across Canada's Arctic. That's the one big one that I had seen. Uh, he's trained as a cartographer, archaeologist, and historian, and having grown up learning bushcraft in rural Canada, Schultz has built birch bark canoes and worked as a survival instructor. Huh. In 2013, Schultz was elected a Fellow of the Royal Canadian Geographical Society for Extraordinary Contributions to Geography and had the honor of presenting his expedition flag to Canada's Governor General. That's pretty incredible. Isn't it? That's a... That's that's an amazing resume. Have you ever seen a picture of him? Uh, is he on the book? Uh, not on the book, but I got him on my laptop here. He doesn't look... He looks like, he looks like he's in his 20s. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Maybe I'll give him early 30s. I'll give him that, but... Was the picture taken when he was in his 20s or 30s? Maybe. But uh, everything seems to happen between everything he's written in here is 13 to 16, like 2013 hmm. to 16. So, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't look that old at all. S-H-A-O-L-T-S? No. S-H-O-A-O-A-L-T-S. Writer, explorer, public speaker. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Look, look how young he looks. Yeah. It's just a pup. Yes. Huh. How come we haven't done that? <laughs> I know, eh? It, it's it's staggering how much people do in a short amount of time, and then I think to myself, I've done nothing. I was in college drinking when he was doing that. <laughs> 
So, epic stories of charting a mysterious land. I'm looking forward to reading this book just to, to see the point of view that he writes it from. Yeah. It's supposed to be a pretty good book. So, yeah. So, uh, Tracy said, take this with you on your trip. And if it's pouring rain or if you're looking to read a bit before you go to bed or whatever. Or you need to light a fire. Need it to light a fire. I got my Indigo Chapters bookmark here. <laughs> Can use that. Um, so, A History of Canada in 10 Maps by Adam Schultz. He's also written... Alone Against the North, which was a number one bestseller. Huh. So I will let you guys know how this actually reads. But if you want to buy one for yourself and try it, go ahead. If you've read it, let us know what you thought of it. And, uh, yeah. I'll I'm let you impressed. Know. This Why? guy is, like, this guy's oh, the Adam? stuff yeah. he's done. So, like you were saying, 2013, he was elected fellow of the Royal Canadian Geographical Society. That's That's not... That's a that's a pretty good achievement. Mm-hmm. He's working on his that's PhD, amazing. Master's University, or McMaster University. Yeah. Huh. Combining his interests in geography, archaeology, anthropology, and history. And he writes books. And he writes books, and he journeys through some of the world's large, large last great wildernesses. Yeah. He's a survivalist. Mm-hmm. Guest speaker. Hmm. Isn't that something? There you go. That's the guy you need if you're ever in the zombie apocalypse. To... That's him. Yeah. We'll recruit him for our zombie team. <laughs> anyway, A History of Canada in 10 Maps by Adam Schultz. Uh, when I'm finished reading it, I'll uh, let you guys know what I thought. Yes, absolutely. So let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we got uh, a few more things to talk about. Hi, this is Dark Sprashed. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Crawl out of the tent First thing I do Fire up the pocket rocket Start the brew Wait for a whiff Of that wake-me-up aroma And then I'm in A happy camper moment With my hands around the mug Watching the mist rise, the first hot sip, opening my eyes. French press, ground fresh, dipping bag, percolate, Nescafe, gourmet, special blend. You know I save time with my morning cup, a camp coffee. Later tonight. Dinner's long gone, campfire started and the dishes are done. The blue mug's waiting with my caffeine fix, and a little extra something thrown into the mix. With my hands around the mug, watching the sunset, the first hot sip. How good can it get? Swiss Miss chocolate chip Dunk a little cookie in a Jim Beam Irish cream Maker's Mark Amaretto Put it in my evening cup Of camp coffee Bear got the food No problem Lost the tent pegs I can solve Holes in the tarp that's easy to fix. Oh, but run out of coffee. Dang. It's the end of the trip. Gotta have my hands around the mug. 
watching the mist rise. The first hot sip, opening my eyes. French press, ground fresh, dipping bag, percolator, Nescafe gourmet, special blend, you know a savor, Swiss miss, chocolate chip, dunk a little cookie in a Jim Beam Irish cream, Maker's Mark Amaretto. It's all about me and my cup. Something that I'll never give up. Have a seat, I'll pour you a cup of camp coffee. Camp coffee. Camp coffee. Why, yes, I believe I will have a second cup, sweetheart. Camp coffee. You thought you'd never ask. Welcome back. Uh, that was Camp Coffee by Jerry Vandiver. And I only played that song because I'll be drinking a lot of Camp Coffee to stay warm. <laughs> As you're sitting here in your nice, warm, furnace-heated yeah. house. I'll be freezing my buttocks off. <laughs> uh, Jerry Vandiver, if you want to check out his albums, you can go to jerryvandiver.com. V-A-N-D-I-V-E-R. Com. You can find him on iTunes, and his latest album, Paddle On, features our favorite song, Kevlar Is Light. <laughs> That's a good song. That's a good one. So Jerry with a J, Vandiver.com. Check him out and uh, listen to some of his stuff. There are samples on his page of all of his songs. Mm-hmm. He's got five albums out, I do believe, paddling albums. I so, don't know. Yeah, I do. I think I, I got them all. Oh, yeah? I just don't know what I do with them. <laughs> I loaded them all onto my, uh, my, um, uh, into iTunes, I, I, into iTunes on my iPod there. So, um, high end canoes are back apparently. That's what I hear. Uh, so I was checking out the stuff from the paddle sports retailer show that happened in Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. Oh, August, that was really recently. August 27th to 28th. Alan Drummond went to that, didn't he? Alan Drummond went to that. Yeah. Um, a couple of the people went to it too. Uh, actually a lot of people <laughs> went to it. There was more than just a couple of people. Yes. So apparently whitewater kayaks, fishing kayaks, stand up paddle boards, they take most of the consumer and trade coverage. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's the high pro, higher profile sections of the sport. Yeah. Now, if you go by the polls, the retail tracking service, et cetera, et cetera, they say the sale of canoes are down 25%. Hmm. That's a big drop. It is. It's a massive one. But the canoe companies are saying no. Our canoe sales have been growing 10 to 20% over the last three yeah. years. So is that 10 to 20% on top of the 25% it was already down? <laughs> or- <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, so since we don't see their numbers, we have to take them at face value, I guess. Yeah. But uh, it, it sounds like Swift Canoe and Kayak, for one, mm-hmm. are, are doing well. And they do put out a quality product. I own right? two of them. Yeah? Yeah. Um, uh, Martin Garster, his whitewater is a Swift Des Moines. Yep. Yep. Uh, he says that people come in, Bill Swift, the owner of Swift Canoe and Kayak, says people come in and tell us they bought the wrong boat. Oh. I heard that a few times from a few things. So you can't pick up an 80-pound canoe. Yes, and, th- and that's where it comes down to the wrong boat. It's like uh, this this gigantic plastic piece of poop is uh, yeah. it's not ideal for what I want to use it for. Yeah, they got themselves a cottage canoe, not yes. a exactly. canoe-tripping yeah. canoe. And yeah, so as, as some of these cheaper plastic canoes that you can buy and some of these lower quality ones, they're great for the cottage because you can hammer them and beat them. And, and so it doesn't really matter. You're just out there to maybe do some fishing or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's not something you're going to portage really. Well, Ted Bell, the founder of North Star Canoes, yep. uh, he says people have come in and bought, they've bought $300 boats. And they figured out they're too heavy and they don't use them. <laughs> so yeah. they come in and they want something newer that they can actually use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. 
Uh, Bear Paulson, also of he's general manager of North Star Canoes. So I've met him. I met him last year at um, the Quiet Water Symposium. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says retailers are telling us canoes are coming back. They aren't supplanting kayaks or stand-up paddle boards, but the pendulum has swung back to customers saying we should look at a canoe. canoe. Mm -hmm. And Swift says price is an issue. Consumers are not having any problem spending more money for high-end canoes. Hmm. Which, I mean, if you're you're looking to get into the backcountry and stuff like that, that's where you're going. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you're going to get some, go, yeah, if you're spending that kind of money, Mm-hmm. It's because you are into canoeing yep. and you are going to be doing trips Oh, and exactly. you're going to be yeah. going places yeah. where you don't want yeah. an 80 pound canoe. I mean, I, I portaged that 80 pound, 90 pound canoe I, everywhere <laughs> for years and years and years. And then I bought my uh, Osprey and I was like, oh, and then we got the prospector and I was like, oh yeah. Well, we, we, what's uh, the design of your prospector? Who, who makes it? Swift. Swift. Yeah. So we have, I, I'm not going to name the name, but anyways, it's uh, it's a prospector design. And I, I talked about it last week on the show. It's, it's uh, and we released a video to show us going down some rapids, taking on the water. This thing is designed to suck water into the hull. Oh, you, yeah. You, when you mentioned it on your yeah. uh, Des Moines trip two you weeks ago. Absolutely yeah. need a spray skirt for this canoe. Yeah. But it's when we went, I, we were curious, like about weight and about, uh, the design and it says it's like, it's the perfect cottage country boat or it's the perfect cottage boat. It'll last for years with lots of abuse. It'll take a lot of abuse. Just don't take it down any whitewater just, rivers. It'll all take a lot of water as well. Mm-hmm. So apparently, yeah, the, the high end canoes are making a comeback. Yes. People are starting to buy because that's what we noticed. Like for ages, it was. Kayak. Everybody started getting into kayaks. Yeah. And then everybody started getting the stand-up paddle boards. You know, the amount of people I know that have the stand-up paddle boards now. Oh, I know. Just, yeah. Especially at the cottages. And I still don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Just at the cottages. <laughs> yeah. Is, is astounding. You know, and then you say, hey, if, do you still have your canoe? Yeah, but we haven't used it in a while. Yeah. Because we've, we're always out in the stand-up paddle boards. Yeah. Well, get off your stand-up paddle board. <laughs> get back in the canoe. Yeah. Well, that's what apparently people are doing. Say, so, you know what? Yeah, we've we've done the, and I gotta think that's part of it too. You know, what? we've done the kayak, we've done the stand up paddleboard. I mm-hmm. want to get back and do some trips. Yeah, you, and if if you started your career in a canoe and we're doing canoe trips, at some point you're gonna miss that. Yes, it's it's nice to have yep. your cottage. It's nice to have your stand up paddleboard and your kayak to to beat around in. Yeah. But you're at some point you're gonna wish you could go back out on yeah. one of those canoe trips, and I bet you that's who's. Two, peop- two up people now. up with gear and and do a nice camping trip. Because yep. a lot of the other stuff, you're not going to go do a, a major camping trip on a stand-up paddleboard. It's just, no. you know. People do, but it's such yeah. a small But it's it's a real challenge. Yeah. Same with the with the, the kayaks. I mean, kayaks, mm-hmm. you're not, there are people that portage them, but not a ton of people do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's too awkward and heavy and whatnot. But yeah, I'm, I, I wonder how many people that have gotten out of canoeing Mm-hmm. Because they did the kayak and the and the paddleboard craze, yeah, and decided, you know what, I, I miss that. I enjoy the kayaking. I enjoy the stand up paddleboarding, but I missed going on my canoe trips. And now they've gone out to add to the fleet as it yeah. were. Yeah, and one of the things that would draw me back to it is like I've done some kayaking. Is you're 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 in a group, but you're always solo. You know, and what's nice about canoeing is you can carry a lot more gear. You can do extended trips. You can get into deeper darker areas of a park but you're in a canoe with another person sharing a trip sharing the experience Mm -hmm. and i think that's what draws me back to it and that's what's always going to draw me back to it and like for example like you do your solo canoe trip in the fall but you know what there's nothing beats sharing a canoe and and you know the going through the effort of of uh, sharing the paddling effort and down a river or across some flat water it's it's nice having that sharing experience and yeah you could have like five people each in individual kayaks and do the sort of the same thing but you're not sharing a hull no. and i think that's what draws me back to it I, and and so like well we're in the market for a high-end canoe ourselves come up next year right right so like our 14 footer is just 
it's too it's, small. It's it's start to get it's borderline small now, and so we're we're looking at something a bit bigger, like a seventeen footer with a, maybe a third seat, or buy a second one, a second canoe. Well, see, the kids can't paddle yet. Why? And Siobhan can't stern. Oh, it's time to teach him. Yeah, I keep trying to <laughs> teach Siobhan to stern, but yeah. And, and that's going to have to come. It's either either one of the kids is going to, like, I think Stella's going to learn how to stern a canoe before Siobhan does. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way. Yeah, either way. Like, um, we are in the market for a higher-end canoe, and, and this, this here fits right in my wheelhouse. This is something that we've been looking at for a few years, and we're just not ready to bite the bullet on a $3,000 canoe, yeah. right? It's a lot of money. Trust me, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you just got yours. Yeah. Well, like, you know what, though? Like, we've been enjoying it. So, and um, actually, because, yeah, I've, I've done individual trips with the whole family this year. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody's had a good time doing that. So, yeah, it, uh, it really works. So, uh, keep your eye out, because apparently high-end canoes are back. <laughs> I'm sure there's still a lot of people going to buy those $300 jobbies for their co- well, absolutely. for their cottages. You and need stuff. a beater canoe, like, like yeah. growing up. You need a beater car, a winter car, or whatever. It's, you need that beater canoe to that Make you, you can, realize that you can abuse and yeah, yeah. And it's one of those it's one of those learning experiences, right? Yep. You buy the cheapest. Canoe well, a lot that of it's you, what you can afford too, right? Exactly. Yeah. With at the time or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like it, what? How how much are you willing to sacrifice to get the watercraft that uh, you want, their need, or whatever? Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, when I came out of college and wanted to buy my own canoe, I didn't yeah. have three grand. Yeah, yeah exactly. You right? know, so you buy what you can afford and you deal mm-hmm. with it, and you upgrade as you can. So. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, high end canoes are back, and uh, it's time to everybody go get one. <laughs> Add to your fleet. So you got kayaks, yeah. up paddle boards, and canoes. Yes. All right. Yikes. <laughs> uh, the other thing, I mean, there's a lot of things that came out of the Paddle Sports Retailer Show there in Oklahoma City. Yep. Um, one of the things they were talking about, though, because they said some of the better things, because this is only the second year for this new show, mm-hmm. right? Because it was in Madison last year. It's in Oklahoma City this yep. year. They had a demo event. Okay. Now, there's the River Sport Adventure Park. It's an official U.S. Olympic and Paralympic training site. Oh, cool. Is right there. So they demoed them there? So you can, well, they have the Whitewater Class 3 Rapids. Yep. Um, right there. Mm-hmm. And it's right next to the Oklahoma River, which is nice calm. Oh, okay. So they had an area where you could try everything. Oh. Whitewater and flat. So you had your your canoes, you had yeah. your stand up paddle boards and, and that in one area. <laughs> and then you could have your there was the the rafts and the kayaks and That's all awesome. that. And they all in the same area. And they and people were saying that was a big thing. Yeah. That they could try all of that in one so you you know, you're not trying kayaks here yeah. and then driving five, ten kilometers to go yeah, to a lake exactly, or a pond yeah, or something. Exactly. Right? You're all in one location. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so the demo had combined Brilliant. flat water, white water, live entertainment, beer, food trucks, people, and all had a fantastic time. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yes. So um, the VPs at Hobie, uh, Ruth Trigela, Triglia, mm-hmm. uh, said that we put a lot of emphasis on the on-water demo for our retailers and the organizers knocked it out of the park. Yeah. A lot of people are saying there's a lot of, that was the big thing was this demo event. Okay. Um, they're saying there's, there's still not an absolutely fantastic, I've got to go to this every year type event because it's growing. It's still realistically. Two, yeah. Just two years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people are saying it's headed in the right direction. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, this demo event was perfect for for the retailers to come and do. That's the, the one big thing that I've been hearing about is this demo event. So, um, we had talked, when did we talk? It was a while back. Oh. In the spring? Yep. Must have been the spring. Mm-hmm. We made mention, because I come across an article that had mentioned that um, there was one event in world surfing. Uh, they were dropping the women's 
competition. Yep. And people were outraged. And I'm, I'm like, I mean, we, we talked about it. My opinion was um, that's stupid, mm-hmm. for one. Absolutely. Why would you drop the women's competition? I mean, now you've just alienated yourself I from know. those women. I know. Right? They're all going to be ticked off at you. And then all the fans are going to be ticked off at you because yeah. they've come to, they want to see these women surf and whatnot. Exactly. And there's even a bunch of the men surfers are going like, what, what are you doing? So apparently uh, this turned into a big deal, a really mm-hmm. big deal. Yep. And the World Surf League has announced that male, female surfers, um, there will be the female competition yep. now. And the other big part that went with it was the money differences. Yes. Between women and, this, and men winners. This has been an ongoing issue for years. So they said that as well as there's going to be that women's competition back, the male and female surfers will win the same amount of prize money. Prize money is matched. So what is the official statement of the World Surf League, WSL, comes on the tail of an embarrassing debacle earlier this year. It got surf fans and members of the media, it's us, uh, <laughs> talking about the absurdity talking of, about us. of gender-based <laughs> Unequal payouts. Yes. And a viral photo showed the male and female winners of the 2018 Bolito Pro Junior Series holding oversized checks. The female's winner was half that of the male's winners. He got $8,000. She got $4,000. And the the level of money here is what staggers me. It's, this is not a hundred thousand dollar prize thing or, you know, a, you know, a $5 million win for pro PGA tour or something like this. This is, this is just like, it's a difference of four grand. And, uh, for the amount of money, uh, with, uh, you know, sponsorships, Red Bull and this, that, the other thing you're talking, these things bring in a lot of cash and for them to, it's, it's almost like they made a point of making the women's prize money smaller. You know, it's, it's, it's not like it's going to break the bank $4,000. Like if, you know what I mean? No, I mean, and, yeah. I mean, if you're looking at yeah. $100,000 prizes, that's one thing where you're starting to say, Hey, but I mean for this. Yeah. And in, in the grand scheme of things, and I don't know if it's uh, advertising money. I don't know if it's, I don't know. I'm sure where the the money comes from, but for competitions and for skill levels, like men and women are every year more and more, you're seeing that there's, it, it, the playing field is becoming equal, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so for them to still at this point divide the top prize money and make the female share lesser, it just astounds me in this day and age that that's still an issue. Yeah. And it should be equal prize money. It should be, it shouldn't even be a thing. It shouldn't be a question. It should be just, yeah, that's what you do. They, it's uh, the top competitors, should, you know, they all make the same prize stake in winnings. Well, and there's male, male competitors. There's some of them saying like, these women are just as good and some are exactly. even better. Absolutely. And I think that was one of the things that we made a comment about is like, yeah. you know, the women getting in there and they're saying, skilled. Yeah. It's incredible. There, there's, yeah. they're, they're better in, in, yeah. in some of this stuff, even some of the men and, uh, why it's being done that way is, is unbelievable. Yeah. It's unfortunate. So the International Surfing Association is taking a similar step towards gender equality after getting called out. Yeah. So they got called out as well. Mm-hmm. Danny Burt, um, 2017 Stance ISA World Adaptive Surfing Champion, blasted the organization. It decided to weight women's scores at 50% of the men's <laughs> score as a win. Women don't even count in the team competition in years past. Uh, she wrote a letter to the ISA. The announcement of 50 percentage points is not progress. It's a reminder that in the eyes of the association and the world, women are considered less, mm-hmm. which is exactly true. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's, yeah. that's exactly what that yeah. says. And we get a, we have to get out of this level of thought, this this the this mindset that we're in. We have to start being more fair across competitions. Well, the ISA has rescinded its decision, so it will weigh men's and women's scores equally in the team competition for the 2019 ISA World Adaptive Surfing Championships. Mm -hmm. 
and it appears the momentum, and this is from from the article I was reading there, uh, the momentum is finally swinging in female surfers' favors. In fact, the WSL is taking its equal pay action a step further. Next year, the league will launch its own pro-athlete-driven instructional surfing clinics at all stops on the women's circuit. Nice. So I think it's, it's starting to hammer into their heads. You know what? I think when you guys pulled these bonehead maneuvers last year, yeah. I got to think they lost yeah. fans. They lost competitors. Well, maybe some... Some of the gloss kind of wore off their... Uh, I wonder if they lost some um, advertisers. Because that I'm would curious really... That, yeah, because any, it, anybody it? who targets uh, female products and stuff like that, it's they. I, I'm sure they would be kind of miffed at, at this, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, we're not going to advertise with you. I'm sure that's probably what happened. Mm-hmm. They, uh, and that's where the changes happen, right? When it starts hitting the pop pocketbook, oh, and right? It, you know what? You've, you've seen that everywhere. Once yeah. that starts hitting your pocketbook, yeah. well, then they're going to go, well. Oh, yeah, I guess we'll change. Yeah. And you know what? When it comes to the money, you're talking about these junior series. Like those are... The prize money is nothing. What's that? That's that's probably that's like beer money. Their, their entrance. Yeah. It's their gas to get to where they're, their travel to get through. Yeah. And, and some training stuff, some gear. Yeah. And your, I mean, your four eight thousand dollars is gone, mm-hmm. pretty quick. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. So, you know what? Yeah, get on the ball and just, <laughs> tch, tell you. Anyway, I think that's it for this week. Is it? I think so. Do you got anything else? I do not. Let's see. We had book club. <laughs> yes. We had. <laughs> we're not talking calling Derek's book club anymore, are we? We're just calling it book club because Derek yeah, doesn't, Derek doesn't book participate. Club Derek, <laughs> if if there's any, if anybody knows of any zombie canoe books out there, or kayaking books, or zombie stand-up yeah. paddleboarders, um, uh. Bob goes paddleboarding with the zombies, <laughs> episode five. Yeah, let Derek know. Life is busy. I've got a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, and I've got a busy job. It's like, I don't have time. I need more vacations. I need solo. I need to go on a solo vacation. That's what I need. You need to I lock need to... the door to the basement and sit down there in that comfy couch of yours. <laughs> and read a book. And read a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in taking a poop. Leave me alone. <laughs> Page 29. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Uh, uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find all our shows, 138 of them now, on uh, paddlingadventuresradio.com episode page. You can find them on iTunes and Google Play, Player FM, and a whole bunch of places where people just stick them up for people to listen to live stream them or download and take them with you and i think that's about it so thank you everybody for listening i'm sean roley and i'm derek Spest. we'll see you next time